Welcome to the latest episode of Comic Book Physics released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This month we are taking a look at Fatal Attractions. It's an X-Men storyline from 1993 that features a lot of Magneto's powers and the way he's using them. So we're going to be looking at Magneto's powers in this particular podcast. So his powers in the comics are the ability to control, create, and manipulate magnetic fields. So in order to discuss this in any detail, we must first decide and define what a magnetic field is. Well, a magnetic field is a region of space which exerts forces on materials with a variety of magnetic properties. The most common magnetic property that we're used to is ferromagnetism. This is the kind of magnetism that iron will exhibit. So if you move a magnet near a chunk of iron, that iron produces a magnetic field that allows the magnets to attract each other. So it's essentially the mirror image of the magnetic field that you've drawn closer to. Now magnetic fields are always based on two points, which are the north and south poles. Now the north pole of the Earth is actually a south magnetic pole and vice versa, because the north pole of a compass is the one that points to the geographic north pole, which means it must be a south magnetic pole because it's opposite poles that attract. Another type of magnetism is actually paramagnetism. This is the kind that is mildly exhibited by water and more strongly exhibited by other materials. When exposed to magnetic field, instead of creating an attractive field, it creates a repulsive field. So if you take a powerful magnet and hold it near a thin stream of water, the water will actually move away from the magnet. It's not a powerful effect, so it's tough to reproduce with household materials, but it certainly can be done. So what do these materials mean in the context of fatal attractions? Well, Magneto uses his magnetic fields in a variety of ways. So when he creates them, they do have to follow the properties of magnetic fields. He can't create them open-ended. Any magnetic field will have north and south poles. There have been no magnetic monopoles, as they call them, as in an isolated north or an isolated south pole observed in nature. Although at the quantum mechanical level, as best as we understand it, they should be relatively easy to create and come by. And yet that doesn't seem to be happening. That's one of the mysteries and the misunderstandings of quantum physics that we still want to look at. The fields themselves are usually drawn with field lines. Now the way we do it is to take a theoretical north magnetic pole. So just a north pole, that's why I call it theoretical, because you don't physically have one, and say, if you put it in this magnetic field, which direction is it going to move? And then we'll draw a little line in that direction or a little arrow in the direction of motion. These arrows add up to the magnetic field lines. By convention, if you're drawing them on the page, the denser the lines or the arrows, the stronger the magnetic field. Now an actual magnetic field, because there's always a north and south pole, is what we call a completely curled field. There's two kinds of fields. You can have a curling field or a divergent field. Gravity is all divergence, no curl. So everything radiates in or out of a single point, or it bends a little bit if you've got multiple gravitational sources, but that's the idea. Single source, you have a single point. With a curl field, the field lines close back in on themselves and you get a closed loop. This actually does a couple of things to the behavior of the fields and more importantly to how they interact with things within the fields. So magnetic fields, when you're moving with them, or any other curling field, they'll have a much greater impact on the direction of motion, speed. So you can get things like closed orbits where something is moving around in circles, but it's extremely difficult to use a magnetic field to accelerate a charged particle. If all you have are charged particles, magnetic fields will not accelerate them. They can accelerate other magnets or ferromagnetic materials because of the way their fields interact, but that's it nothing else can be affected by them. So if you don't have some sort of magnetic property already there, either ferromagnetism or paramagnetism, then the magnetic field will pass through harmlessly. So the way we look at 
how Magneto's using the field in here, there are a couple of moments in them. One of them that actually works quite well is where he uses the field to rip the adamantium's skeleton that's been bonded to Wolverine's bones off of his bones. And with Wolverine's healing factor, he is just barely able to survive. But this is something magnets can do. If adamantium has ferromagnetic properties, which is quite likely given how common those are in metals and that the adamantium is an alloy, so some of these metals could have magnetic fields on them, then his ability to sort of steer and manipulate Wolverine and twist him around and pull this metal off is entirely feasible. Now, the energy requirements are tremendous in order to do that. You have to essentially have all the energy within the field that you can project to compensate for the energy required to rip the adamantium off of the bones it's bonded to through Wolverine's skin and then, you know, through all the tissues in between, all the musculature, the cartilage, all of that. So that part, as rough and as dangerous as it is, is entirely possible provided Magneto can keep up his energy stores. The other moment is the tougher one to explain. There's a point where Magneto uses his power over magnetism to hold people in place by manipulating the iron and the hemoglobin in their blood and pinning that in place. That is the part that's very problematic. So first of all, we have to ask ourselves, why does our hemoglobin have iron anyway? What's its function? Well, the iron in our hemoglobin is actually a fundamental part of the mechanism which allows our blood to carry oxygen to different cells. If the iron is removed from the hemoglobin, you cannot breathe. In fact, there was a particle accelerator in the area, which was first activated about 50 years ago before the risks were properly understood. And when they first turned it on, some of the people nearby suffocated in a room full of perfectly breathable air. And that's because the magnetic field strength was strong enough that it pulled the iron out of the hemoglobin in their blood, and their bodies were no longer able to deliver oxygen to all the cells that required it. The blood couldn't carry it, and these people effectively suffocated in a perfectly breathable atmosphere within a matter of minutes. It's one of the greatest tragedies of the particle physics research industry, and particularly that one institution, but it happened. And it drove forward a lot more research in terms of exactly what magnetic fields do to people. And those magnetic fields weren't nearly strong enough to pin people in place. And that's another part of the problem with the way Magneto uses his powers in this story. If his ability to control iron was enough to pin the hemoglobin in place and prevent people from moving, that means that the blood is no longer circulating through the bloodstream. So their hearts would be pumping, but the blood is motionless. So the heart would essentially be having a heart attack or cardiac arrest. Meanwhile, the various cells in the body are not getting replenished with new stores of oxygen because the blood is not circulating. So again, these people would be suffocating on the spot immediately. It would be a very lethal and immediately lethal use of Magneto's powers. So the way that Magneto's powers have been represented here, well, for the most part, it's viable. It's just that one moment where he pins people in place using the iron and the hemoglobin in their blood that just really doesn't sit well and does not add up with the way things actually work. But that's it in a nutshell. So it's a somewhat short podcast this month. Please join us again next month as once again we are tying into the unofficial 75 Greatest Marvels Countdown podcast and we'll pick the topic based on that. Feel free to rate the show on iTunes or Stitcher, whatever podcaster you use. You can send feedback to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com. Share links to the podcast with friends who you think may be interested. And finally, thank you for listening.